Welcome into another episode of Box Office Quarterbacks. This one is going to be very historical because for the first time, we are not going to be saying the name Jeffrey Gordon in our intro of host. I'm Ryan Schmelz. He's Gerald Tracy, and this is the first time just him and I are doing the show together. And this is the first show ever that Jeff missed. So it is a very sad day. The streak has been broken. It's very sad. I mean, I've really been avoiding doing a show with just you. I know, same here. Mainly because of no, I'm um, no, it's 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 good for Jeff. Um, Jeff works really hard with this podcast. He he loves it, and he loves all the viewers, just like we all do. Uh, but I mean, obviously, life comes up with all of us, and me and you have definitely missed a few. But Jeff deserves this one off. So everybody, please tweet at Jeff telling him that you hate him and that you hope he doesn't ever show up again. I, I was sure I was that. wondering when he, I was wondering when he was ever gonna miss a show again. I didn't think it was ever gonna be possible. I was just waiting no. for the day to happen, and it finally did. Yeah. It was just like in our group chat. It was so awkward. It was just like, "Hey guys, I, I've got to I've got to miss this next one." Wait, no, let's try to sound like Jeff. Oh, hey guys, I, I have to miss this next one. <laughs> and we were like, uh, well, what? What was that? Yeah, no, no, Jeff, sorry. I was like, uh, I, was like did I, I looked at my wife and I was like, did, did you go on my phone and change Jeff's name to Ryan's and Ryan's to Jeff's? Because there's no way Jeff just requested off. <laughs> I was like, no, Jeff, Jeff. Two weeks notice. Jeff, you have to be Cal Ripken. Like, you've got a couple 2,000 more to go before you can you can take off. It's just not, not allowed. Sorry. Yeah. Nope. Nope, we're missing. Very, Jeff. very disappointing. And Jeff's I'm missing. Not, a, and Jeff's missing a really good episode. I'm just saying, like yeah, this yeah. movie is, uh, wow, like really, it's, it's one of, really yeah. good. One of the one of the better ones I think we'll probably do. Um, and this is a movie that I refused to actually see for like two or three weeks before I decided to go ahead and see it. And I don't know why I refused. I was just like, I don't know if I want to see another Who Done It, and. I was very glad to be wrong. It was one of the. It's one of those genres. Yeah, the who done it genres. I think it's one. It's one of those genres that I think like had its time already. So I think people were a little bit burnt out by them, or just like we had already seen everything. It's kind of a little bit like the slasher movies, where it kind of had been a little bit worn out by the time it came out. But this one kind of made everyone say, "Well, uh, can we get some more of them? Especially if they're directed by Ryan Johnson, because this movie was awesome." Yes, it was awesome. Um, and, you know, just like you just hinted toward, I think this is also a first for us. We're going to not only talk about this movie, but a little bit about the sequel that has been born from this movie because this one was so good. Because I don't believe they made this movie with the idea they were going to have a sequel or maybe even a, a third one. It doesn't feel like there it would be a movie that needed one, really. But, I mean, just uh, I guess we can kind of go into, like, what the sequel is kind of going to be about. Um do, is there a synopsis for it so far? I have the IMDb uh, link up right now. Knives Out 2, plot unknown, sequel to the 2019 film. All, all we know is that it has a really strong cast. And do you have the cast on there? I do. So it looks like we've got Catherine Hahn, Dave Bautista, Daniel Craig will return, uh, Jessica Henwick, Kate Hudson, Leslie Odom, Edward Norton. Madeline Klein and Janelle Monae. Those are the top cast on IMDb right now. And uh, um, we broke the news this or we, we didn't break it. Well, we have it on our. our oh, no, we media. broke it. We broke it. Yeah, we, we broke it. Uh, that Ethan Hawke is apparently joining the cast, too. Yes. Oh, yes, man. It's, yeah, uh, well. And what I love, too, it's it's like it's kind of like a bunch of actors that um 
we know are great, but they kind of been under the radar in recent memory. I mean, everyone kind of is because of COVID. So we kind of got a hiatus from a lot of stuff, but like, you know, uh, yeah, I just feel like a lot of these, like this movie, I mean, you had, you had Don Johnson, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, just had Halloween. So she was kind of getting brought back into the spotlight more. Um, but it's just like a lot of actors that you kind of had, at least for those two, it kind of felt like, oh my gosh, it's finally, I forgot how much fun it was to see them on, on the screen. And this one, it's like, oh, Ethan Hawke, like Edward Norton's been under the radar for a while. So it's kind of like, um, they're taking these actors back that we love and, and putting them in situations and giving them scripts that really fit them perfectly. Yeah. And I'm really excited about Dave Bautista. And the reason being is because, you know, only about a month or two ago, I think, when he said he was tired of Marvel and that this next Guardians of the Galaxy will be his last Marvel movie. So we know we're losing him out of Marvel, and he's going to go into this movie, and these are completely two different kind of films. You know, the action star with a weird personality in Marvel, and what kind of personality is he going to have here? Because he's been saying he wants to do some more serious type work, um, different kind of movies, because he's older and he's physically not going to be able to do the kind of thing Marvel wants him to do. So I'm interested to see what he's going to do as well, how he's going to, what his character is going to be like. Absolutely. Um, and- I mean, we just, and sorry to interrupt you, we just saw um, Chris Evans in this movie. In the, and this was really, I think, his first big role post-Marvel, even though it might have been right around the time Endgame and everything came out. But his first real role outside of Marvel in a while that we've seen him in. And um, he killed it in this one, too, playing the villain in all reality. Mm-hmm. And I think what, what made this movie so strong in terms of the cast was that um, I think they kind of gave everybody roles that were different from what they norm we know them as, you know? Mm-hmm. Chris Evans, the virtuous Captain America, we see him as a spoiled, sleazy punk in this movie. And Jamie Lee Curtis, we had just seen her in Halloween, and she was the, uh, I guess, like the the skittish underdog, you know, who is, who's scared, but still tough as nails. And, and in this movie, she's a loudmouth snob who will threaten anybody who tries to cross her or her, even her family. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then, um, Michael Shannon's always kind of been like a tough guy in most of the movies he plays in this one. He's kind of like a little bit of a, I don't know. He's, he, I don't know. He's just, he's a little, a little sleazy. I don't know what it is about him, but, and, and then Dan, Daniel Craig was good in here too. Yes. Daniel, Daniel Craig, Craig was the Craig one. Was I, still pretty. Yeah. Daniel Craig was the one I meant to get to too, where he's, you know, the cool, calm, collected, charismatic bond. And this one, he's still charismatic. He's still but pretty he, much he's, James Bond. He's, <laughs> but he's so over the top and goofy in this one compared to the James Bond character. And that was kind of, it was just kind of nice to see them in different elements and realize, Oh, these actors are very, uh, one-dimensional is not the word you should use to describe them because they are very versatile in what they can do. And they had fun with it, too. Is what It, it seemed like they were having a blast. Absolutely. Um, but let's, let's, um, you want to go ahead and start talking about what this movie actually, what our favorite parts of this movie are and everything? Uh, I want to touch on the history of it a little bit. Um, okay. I think because, you know, usually it's been a while since we've done an older movie. And usually we do like, you know, what did they say and what did we think back then? Oh, yes. Um, yes. and this is my first time seeing this, but you, this was your second, correct? Second or third, really, if you think about it. Okay. I think third. Um, so, and you thought it was a classic back then. You still think it's a classic, correct? 
Yeah, the second I saw it, I was like, this is great. The twist, the turns, the emotion, the, I mean, I've seen a few whodunits and I love this one the most. Yeah, this was um, really just a, a new, a really just a really, really well put together whodunit movie. Just, and it, it honestly cross genres a lot of different ways. You know, it's it's got a little bit of dark comedy. It's got a little bit of a thriller, um, jo- a drama, obviously, but there were so many different genres and, and, you know, I, I think it wasn't surprising at all. This movie came out to wide critical acclaim when it first came out, but it was ultimately a, I think some would call it an Oscar snub. This did not get as many nominations as it should have. Uh, I think most notably people were really angry. I believe Daniel Craig did not get nominated for best supporting actor. And that ticked a lot of people off because this is not the first time that's happened to Daniel Craig. He's still yet to get one for his James Bond performance, which I think is ridiculous. And um, there just, I believe girl in the dragon tattoo. He also got snubbed, but it's just been, it, it was one of those movies and, and we did, um, oh God, what's that racing movie called? Um, Ford versus Ferrari, a couple like a oh, couple yes. months back, Ford v Ferrari, and, and that was we, we put that up with some of the other nominees. Obviously, that was one of our favorites. It was, I believe, this was the same year as Joker, so it was a strong year. But yeah. there are a couple movies on this list of Oscar nominees that I could have uh, put in there for Knives Out, especially seeing all these age. But you also have, you know, Parasite on here, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 1917, Marriage Story, Little Women. Uh, the Irishman, which uh, Jeff is not a big fan of, if you've listened to our show before, but I like I just about Paris. all his movies. So, yeah, it, I think you have Parasite. 19, did you mention nineteen seventeen? Yes, I I loved I loved nineteen seventeen. I thought that was awesome. I saw that in theater. I saw that in theaters, and I was so captivated. Yeah, and Jojo Rabbit, I think, came out that year, and if I'm not mistaken, yes. Jojo Rabbit won an award or two. Mm-hmm. Um, I still haven't seen, I've seen like 40 minutes of that movie. I haven't finished it, <laughs> but there, there were a lot of great movies that year. We were treated to a lot of great movies right before the pandemic. Thank you, Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because this was, um, this was one of them and it was snubbed. As you mentioned, I think it won one Oscar. Um, so definitely snubbed, but rightfully snubbed, I guess you could say. Like it wasn't like it got snubbed by a bunch of underperformers. Yeah, yeah. Th- this was a really strong year for movies, so I, I'm not too heartbroken. But uh, mm-hmm. I want to show. Let's pull up. I want to pull up before we get into the scenes. Ryan Johnson's filmography. Um, oh, I got that right here. And you know, after his movie before this one, I'm not sure a lot of people were too hyped on him. It was uh, Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. And critically, you know, critically, that fans. movie was critically that movie was really well received, but it was it was the fans were the not fans. were a little. De- it's very divisive amongst fans. I personally liked it, um, but I can see where people had issues with it. I've had people like make the argument to me about why they didn't, and I they had definitely valid reasons not to like it. But um, it, Looper was before that, and that was also a really good movie. So. Yeah. It's 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 an interesting filmography. It's very diverse if you just go off of these three movies. Yeah, but, Star Wars, Looper. That's really the other ones I haven't really watched or paid attention to. Yeah, he um, helped direct a uh, few episodes of Breaking Bad. That's correct. Looks like three. 
So, I mean, this guy's been around really good content for a while. Yes. Um, at least for the past decade. Um, again, I know I can't speak on the Mountain Goats, the Brothers Bloomer Brick. I don't know if you can. No, nope. but wish I could. Um, Looper, I like. Star Wars, Last Jedi. I, I get the hate for it, but it, in general, it's a good movie. Um, to me, that's like me complaining about the uh, yeah. Cursed Child stuff. Well, well I, don't I, I like can say this about The Last Jedi. And I think this kind of foreshadows why this movie was so executed. The action sequences in the best Je- Last Jedi were some of the best you'll ever see in a Star Wars movie, um, especially that opening scene where they have that uh, battle sequence, and it ends with it, it kind of has that ending where you don't know what's going to happen, um, and that kind of sold me that okay, this Ryan Johnson guy can really architect a a thrilling sequence, and he does it quite a lot in this movie. Yeah, he had, and like, in I think all of his movies really is uh, the cinematography, which is more of a you you topic, and the stories themselves. They all have arcs that I can follow um, pretty well, and that I enjoy and do have some surprising and wow. So I think that's where um, we'll see it. And again, what I was going with is like um, people's main complaint with the star, his take on the Star Wars movies. I think is a lot like what my complaints are with the Cursed Child and maybe even the Fantastic Beast movies is though they are beautiful cinemata- um, movies and they have good stories, they don't really flow with the, um, the canon of the, of the, uh, of the universe in those movies. I don't agree with the canon. And I think that's what main people's complaints are is, you know, I don't, I don't know why the canon is messed up in these Star Wars movies. But when you look at it as just a movie itself, the story is great. And he did that again here in Knives Out. Yeah, and he's trying to make, put his own spin on things or make it his own, which is, you know, it's understandable. Um, yeah, as a director, you don't ever just want to do someone else's work. If you wanted to do that person's work, hire that person. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> All right, let's start with our our scenes we liked. Hit it. Uh, my favorite scene really is um, when the Thrombies lose their mind over the will at the will reading. And you cops, too, out, out, right now. And Linda? No, Richard, we need to talk. We need to, to fight this thing. We're not going anywhere. I said get out. We are the Thrombies. This is still our house. Um, because you, you spend the first part of the movie where they all try to differentiate each other. Like, we're different. We're not the same. Um, you know, one Thrombie will be saying, you know, he that one's a right-wing stereotype asshole. Excuse my language, but, like, that's what he says. And, um, you know, that, one's, that one just uses my grandpa for the money, and that one sucks, and that one's racist, and this and that. But at the end, when they learn that um, Mr. – that. Grandpa Thromby was giving all his money, everything to his nurse. They all become the same. They all hate her and they want her to give it up and that it can't be true and that it's false. And it's just that huge turning moment. And I love that scene. It, it really was, you know, I love the, Ooh, I love the, you know, there's, it, it, they, they address politics a lot in this movie and like they, they all try to like, you know, signal that they're they're more of a moral compass over the other person and they all really try to make their pitch and it's like you said they all kind of reveal in that moment that they're all in the way kind of the same they're a pretty greedy family but at the same time i think they do put the thought in your head that uh, would you react the same way if this was you like could you really say that you'd be okay with somebody not in your family getting your family's fortune and it just kind of points that I don't know if they was intentional, but I did kind of feel like I was, I had the finger pointed at me saying like, 
would you be much better than these folks if this yes. was your and situation? I think, and I think that has a lot to, I think that was Ryan Johnson was trying to do was show us that, you know, although everybody may have different views or different, different, they try to put on a different facade, different face in front of other people. Whenever you get put into a certain situation, whether it be all your money is going to go towards someone you barely know, or maybe a life-saving, life-changing situation, we're all going to act in a similar way, especially when it comes to family. And um, it's exactly what we saw there. So I, I really appreciate that. I love Chris Evans' entrance because Ransom, as a character the first 45 minutes of the movie or so, was a mystery. You don't see him. You hear about him. And then when he shows up, he's exactly what you expect. He's the villain. And he's there to just kind of screw with people. Yeah. And if there was one critique, um, there won't be a lot. And I tried really hard to find some in this one. I think honestly, for me, I think the biggest critique I had in this movie is that it was a little too obvious that like ransom was ultimately the, the, the villain or the one who done it, you know? And and the reason I say that is because, you know, he's the only one who, who had a, a, a major reveal of all the family members. He was the only one who was a mystery and not brought in. And he had this like flashy entrance, you know, if they would have made it one of the random family members who you saw at the beginning, I thought, I think that would have been a crazier plot twist than it ultimately being ransom. But I think they just put too much attention on him that it kind of made it be like, Oh yeah. If it's somebody, it's going to be him. Yeah. And then, um, I also, at first, when I was first watching the movie, when they, show you exactly how the death actually went down the first like you know the you know you're gonna do this you're gonna hide out sneak out one way act like you're ransom all this other stuff go downstairs as noisily as you can and then say goodbye loudly Walt, i'm leaving call attention to the time god it's midnight already if you can drive out the gate then to avoid the security cameras pull off the road before the carved elephant I, I was like, why are they telling me the plot right now? Like, this is an unnecessary scene. But it's really like a, ah, we gotcha moment and now that you look at it. Because then you get you get it again near the end where everything's explained. And it's just like it, it throws you for a loop and it makes you think one thing instead of the other. It makes, because when you watch in the first, sorry, when you watch the first hour, 15, hour, 20 of the movie, especially after the reveal of how he actually died. You're thinking you're watching a movie about a woman trying to get away with essentially murder Mm -hmm. and take all the money. And then at the end, you find out it was really about a guy orchestrating this whole thing so he can get all the money. Yeah, it was. Oh, man. And I think like, you know, I I just had a critique there, but like I really do think that just like everything in this movie has like some type of purpose. There's so much craziness that goes into getting to the final climax and, and what i what i and for for the most part you know the, of all the movies that we've done that have come out in recent years you know this is one of those movies where if you type in knives out analysis on on a search engine on youtube you or even on google i mean there are so many different film channels film podcasts film shows that have done some type of deep dive into this movie because there's so much there that could be dug up. I mean, it, it's really just a movie with so much just hidden in there and so many details. And, and I, the, the attention to detail in this is just insane. I mean, like we talk about cinematography and set design. I mean, this house just, I feel like I could have walked into that house and known where everything was by the end of the movie. Cause it was just so well fleshed out. 
Yeah, and I mean, again, cinematography is more of a your discussion, I know, but um, this is one of the few movies I'll look at and be like, the cinematography in this movie, very little visual effects, a lot of real effects, and I, I can't. I sent you the link one time even when we decided we were going to do this movie, but just the amount of work and thought put into it to make everything look the way it does. Props to everybody on this on this team. Oh yeah, because I had I had you know the board game scene down as one of my favorite scenes, which ultimately leads to I believe the Christopher Plummer's death in there too. But just everything about that scene was just so just. It's almost like you knew something was about to happen, even though it was kind of just them hanging out, you know, having an intimate moment, and and you just kind of the way that the camera is kind of messing with you. And how you know, it's just very quiet and you're just hearing the two, the dialogue between these two characters that it, you kind of realize something's about to happen. And I just think that the cinematography uh, just really captures every moment and then executes it. Yes. And I mean, this, if you don't have this cinematography team, this team of producers and directors, and you have the same movie, it does like, I question, you know, if you don't have all that and it looks different, it's the same movie, same plot, but different director, different cinematography. Do you like this movie as much? And I don't think I do. No. Um, I, I think another scene that sticks out, um, really the entrance of Daniel Craig into the movie um, and how his character kind of causes everything to go AWOL um, because it was everyone's kind of calm. They're just having the interview with the detectives and they're all relaxed and just kind of describing the family. And then when he kind of like, Get he kind of digs into them, and next thing you know, they're Jamie Lee Curtis is unloading on him. Like, why are you are you accusing me of trying to accuse one of my brothers of murder? And it's it's and then all of a sudden the finger point starts. It just it really hits a whole another stride at that point. And the movie was already pretty good at that point too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a amazing film. Man. There's maybe one or two characters I don't like, which is why I'm. Fearing the moment we have to put the people that we don't like on here, because I don't know if I can put any of the Thornbys there. I think I have one or two that I just could have done without, but at the same time, every one of them to me is essential to how you see this family. Mm-hmm. Because this is really a, it's a real life family. It's showing you like even the, even the millionaires, the millionaires that have all the money that really don't have to do anything for work. They have their issues and they have people, they, they have the black sheep in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, I, with the will reading scene, I know you said that I actually kind of going through my notes here. I did have that as a question mark, um, in terms of something I might not have liked. And I think the reason I did that is because I do think that, um, Marta getting the will was predictable just as much as I thought that ransom being the killer was predictable. I think it was, and, and for, and I think because this has been done before in movies where the unlikely person gets the, the will. And heck, it's even been done in country music. There's a Billy Currington song about him talking to an old man and the old man turns out to be a millionaire and he dies and gives him all of his fortune. So like it's been it's it's not something that was original. And it's one of the few things I think that wasn't original in this movie. So if there was a critique, I do think that was I did see that coming or I wasn't shocked by it, Um, though. I do think they still executed it well by having the family just have this. hilarious i mean not hilarious to the characters but hilarious to us reaction to it 
Mm-hmm. Well, that that one and also um, the opening scene to the movie where um, Marta and her family are watching the news and stuff, and it kind of foreshadows the whole movie, you know, talking about how he died and everything. And she just goes, well, he just watched, she just watched a man slice his neck open. Like, stop doing that. Well, I figured out who did it anyway. And it immediately tells you we're watching a whodunit and who died and this and that. Like, that was a good, but like, I just, there's not a lot of scenes in this where I'm just like, why? Yeah. You know, cause some of the scenes where you're, you're like, why am I watching this part? They end up, coming back around, you know? I mean, maybe why did her, was it her sister who died or her friend with a spider on her face? Um, but I mean, they, they put, they put the need to pay attention and almost like they set that tone really early where you're just kind of like, Oh, well, I'm going to make sure I'm paying attention here because I might, they might get me on something, you know, it, it really does really just mess with you. Um, and I had a random scene down that I liked. I liked the political fights between the family, uh, especially the one where Marta kind of gets brought into it and she has to just watch the family drunk at Christmas. And anyone who has a politically divided family can just relate to this scene. Or if you yes. like have ever dated or had friends in a politically divided family and you get invited to dinner and you've got to like just watch these family members just go at it over. <laughs> yeah, and then not even just that, but being the being the minority, the person who is of color in that situation and having to experience a moment like that, like it's exactly what it's like. Um, I mean, and I'm not claiming to know what every person of color goes through, but, you know, being half um, Hispanic myself, I have been in a room full of people who will just look at me and ask me, like, I know all this. And it, it, it's, it goes exactly like that, where you're just like, I'm just here existing. And you started having this conversation. Oh, yeah. And, but like, and like you said, like you also have that, the part of the family, because everybody has that family member who wants to make it political. Mm-hmm. And it just you, this conversation goes from having, you know, grandpa just died to why are people coming to the country? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, this, and this movie does just have a, a really strong political satire to it, too, especially when you have like uh... – I guess, you know, with the two, the two youngest members of the family, they're kind of symbolizing like the extremes on both sides of the political aisle. Like you have the kid who's a hardcore conservative and they're accusing him of being an alt writer. And, and then you have the, they call him a Nazi. (laughs) They're going for it. And and then you have the, the one girl who's like majoring in, in something and everyone's kind of wondering if that's like ever going to get her a job and like, how's social justice school going? And, Yes. Yeah. They have the exact two, but at the end, they're the same person. Uh huh. You know, um, you've got, <clears throat> excuse me, Jade Martell is Jacob Thornby, and he, and no, he's complete opposite as his cousin, and um, Meg, I believe, is what her, what her name was. And, but at the end, they both just want one thing grandpa's money mm-hmm. and grandpa's support. And you see that whenever Meg calls Martha and go, and the second Martha goes like, I will support you. Meg's like, okay, bye. Like, <laughs> the exact same person, which I think, like I, like we said already, we kind of already hit on, Ryan Johnson wanted to imitate life because what is art if not an imitation of life or society? Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So uh, what other scenes? I know there's a million of them that – to choose from we're just kind of trying to uh the, i had the, the rant do you like the car chase scene i don't i don't know that's what i was about to say i don't know that i like it because it ends in this and and, and maybe i'm just blinking 
But when Daniel Craig comes out and he's and he acts like he doesn't know Marta was the reason. Um, she throws up in a cup. He doesn't smell the throw up in a car. I don't know if you've ever been in the car with throw up in it. I've been in it. Yes, it's disgusting. But you would you would smell. Um, and maybe it's part of this whole like, oh, I'm trying not to show my hand thing. But it, to me, that scene like I don't need it. Mm-hmm. And well, especially it just it when felt the, a little out of character. Especially when the the one cop shows up and he's the one detective shows up and he's just like that was the stupidest car chase ever and I was like well then why do we just watch it you know yes <laughs> it's almost, why did we waste 15 minutes it's almost like the director admitting like yeah we totally didn't need to do that we just wanted to we had a lot of money left over in the budget so we thought we'd throw a car scene the, in here we wanted the car chase in a movie about knives like t- titled knives <laughs> but yeah there was there was that um what else? There's, uh, a, there's a, and I'll get more into this, but there's a there's a there's Trooper Wagner. I don't need him in this movie at all. He's just there to tell us about how famous Benoit Blanc is. That's that's it. Like he's he's not there for any other purpose. I do not need him. So I'm making sure I have his face but, in front of me. Yeah, and it's um Trooper Wagner, and he is no yeah, sick. Yeah, he is. He is definitely just in there for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a reason for him to be in there, but, no, but um, he does add some comic I mean, relief to the. Uh, but then again, the other two, the other two law enforcement sides were movie, funny. Yeah, like Craig was I mean, funny. Everybody's, yeah, everybody's funny in this movie. I mean, they all have a certain amount of funny in it. I think. Oh yeah. So, um, do we want to get into characters? Yeah, let's go ahead and get into our top characters. I think. Okay. Uh, where are you going to start? So, with me, I'm good. I'm. I love Ransom Drydale. I love Chris Evans in this movie as Ransom. Um, I think he's great. I think the way he plays it is great. Everything that he portrays, yeah, it could be a little bit over the top, and you know immediately he's the villain. But to me, when I first watched it, I didn't think, oh, he's the guy that did it. I thought, you know, like, oh, he's the black sheep, and he's coming in. He has maybe he has an axe to grind, but he is rightfully upset because nobody in this family likes him for a lot of reasons, but to him, he's just not liked because of who he is. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, I think he definitely put the idea where you did not know what to think where he's going to go. Cause I think they put the little, he he can't, he was definitely so complex. Cause you didn't know if this, you were trying to figure out if this family hated him be, for good reasons, because he actually was a sleaze bag or did they, dislike him because he called them out on all their crap and he knew about it. And he, cause, yeah. cause like the family's already established that we're not supposed to like them uh, when he finally shows up and he's like kind of cussing at them and saying naughty things about them. And you think it's funny because he's kind of like sticking it to them. And we've already established that the family's kind of stuck up and we're not supposed to like the family at this point, but ransom is just, you don't know where he, he's going with that. Uh, but at the same time, we have been told things. He's a spoiled brat. He's a trust fund kid. Or is it just because he got away from this family because he wanted to? So I, I think they put the that thought in your head that this guy might be a good guy. Um, and then ultimately, he turns out to be the worst of all of them. So uh, I do think that they did a really good job of making this character complex. Um, but at mm-hmm. the same time, I said because he was so separate from the family that it kind of made it a little too obvious that he was going to be the killer so that's why i put him down on my list but he's still going to be in my top five regardless yeah and then i've got number two anna de Artemis as marta 
who, um, by the way, this is her second time with Daniel Craig in a movie. Mm-hmm. She was uh, with him in No Time to Die as Paloma. So uh, that's a little hasn't interesting. Come fact, out yet. Really, hasn't come out yet, though, right? Uh, no, you're right. So she is in with him. So mm-hmm. this is her first of two times. So so we've Excuse got me. three. So now we've got Rami Malek, Daniel Craig, and her all in the next Bond movie. <laughs> I mean, we, if, yeah. if this movie's bad, I'm going to be really disappointed. Me too. But I enjoyed her for a lot of reasons, but mainly because she's a relatable character, I think, in the sense of she's just trying to get by all this bad stuff is happening to her and then how the spotlight's on her. And at the same time, you don't know what to think of her because she is covering up a murder from what you see for the first hour, 40 minutes. Um, She is about to get all this money. What is she going to do with it? Um, and she just reacts in a lot of ways I think we all would react. Um, but then you also wonder, like, how truthful is she? Because you spend the whole time knowing that she can't lie. Because when she lies, she throws up. But then in that car chase scene, when she does hide the fact that she throws up, she's a liar. So is she really the quote-unquote good guy? Um, but then she comes forward and all that stuff, obviously. But I do and really enjoy her portrayal of Mark. I, 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 I think with her, she was, you know, she's one of the few truly redeemable characters in this movie. You know, every character in this movie gives you a reason and not like them. Um, and, and, and I just think that she's one of the few truly like good characters in this whole movie. So I think for that reason, and she's, and it's such a great performance too. Um, really a breakout performance from, from, um, from this actress. Um, Anna DeArmas, like it's just really just so uh, captivating, and she just you just see the terror on her face, which in the situation, just the the level of uncomfortability. Uh, the, if I were to give it a critique, I think there's times when I think she kind of keeps the same expression on her face, and it doesn't always match. It, maybe it's it's just like kind of the same like feeling in every scene, like she's always just scared and awkward. Uh, but but at the same time, obviously, it fits the mood for most of the time. Um, I just think they would have maybe given her a little bit more to work with. Not a lot. It's, I mean, they really couldn't have made this script too much better, but I'm, I'm really grasping at straws to find nitpicks in this movie, but a really a strong yeah. performance and really just a, a easy character to root for, especially how the character arc goes. Yeah. I, mean, I think if you add or take away anything, you might give away too much with the movie. Mm-hmm. I think they gave just enough to where you're like, I like her. And everything that she's doing is probably what I would do or probably what a normal person would do. Um, and there's no real like, I uh, wouldn't do it that way or I wouldn't do it that way. Because at the end, she does it exactly how I think a normal person would. Um, another person I did like was uh, Jamie Lee Curtis as Linda Drysdale, mm. um, which secured her on my list is the, are you boinking my, were you boinking him? <laughs> and after the will of reading were you boinking Harlan? Were you boinking Harlan? Just that right there. Like everybody, you know, somebody was in the study, but just the way she said it. <laughs> Who better deliver that line to? Oh, man, yes. what a great. I had her very high on my list. I guess we're doing your whole list first, and then we'll get to mine. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can go ahead and go with your three. Um, no, 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 no. Last I, thing I'll say I, is. I like this. I like the. Uh, let's try this one. That's different. So, um, yeah, okay. so you're at number four. Or yeah, number four. Yeah, uh, this will be my fourth one coming up. Okay, and um, so so far you have, so far you have um, ransom, Evans and, ransom, yeah, Marta, ransom, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Curtis. 
Yeah. Okay. And then uh, Benoit Blanc, and I just I think he really carries his role perfectly through this. I love the reveal. Um, I wish we could see a little more of his work as like an actual detective, like in the way he's working, what's going on in his head. But at the same time, this movie is already two hours and ten minutes long. <laughs> so <laughs> don't I don't think there's anything wrong with what Daniel Craig did in this role. Oh yeah, no, it, it, this was um, a new role for Daniel Craig a different role for Daniel Craig. And you could tell that I think he really enjoyed kind of having the, uh, the reins off him, you know, I mean, and, and I'm not saying he doesn't have flexibility with James Bond. Cause he's definitely made that character different, but obviously there's only so much you can do with, um, with, with a really serious role like that. And when you give him an over the top, uh, script and an over the top character, and you just kind of let him let loose with it the cause of death was truly solely suicide and you are guilty of nothing but some damage to the trellis and a few amateur theatrics in fact if harlan had listened to you and called the ambulance he would be alive today you could just tell how how much fun he was having and it was just so different and i think really just showed the brilliance and the, the versatility of daniel craig that uh, we don't always get to see, especially when I think his two biggest roles have been the girl with the dragon tattoo and uh, James Bond. So this was something new and welcoming. And plus, the character was just uh, very, very interesting. And I'm happy that he's going to be back. So it looks like they're going to build the next storyline around another mystery with him. Yeah. And I did also like Michael Shannon in this movie as Walt Thrombey. Um Kind of played that guy that he was trying to be the likable uncle, brother, whatever. And, um, but when it came down to it again, he showed, showed his true colors and he was just kind of, I don't know, he played it very well. I enjoyed him. And I think an interesting thing with his character, he was the, tr- he was probably the one member of the family who was a true failure. Um, you know, cause he didn't really do anything. Yeah. They do it. They do establish that um, Jamie Lee Curtis and Don Johnson's characters have had success, like running other operations um, outside well, of the family. And then Michael Shannon's the one who's directly involved. Like he's supposed to be the heir to the throne and he just has, and he ends up getting fired. Well, Joni Thromby too. She's a oh, yeah, huge failure. And a but, she, but she marries into the family, right? Well, yeah, I think she married in, but she's using all the money. Well, she's stealing money out of her daughter's own college funds mm-hmm. and also using it to be on Instagram and yeah, I just didn't like her. Yeah, so she's more I mean, she's more of a schemer. She's more lazy, I guess. Like she's yeah. trying to she's trying to milk her marriage into this family for all that it's worth. Because she's widowed, right? Okay. Yes. So yeah, and then whereas Michael Shannon's just kind of blowing it, even though I mean he he want he does have a good idea where it's like get the get your books to be made into movies and you can make a ton of money, but at the same time he's just he's trying to get his dad to ultimately sell out and his dad's not having any of it. And it was just very, it was was an interesting dynamic there. Um, I mean, his dad totally should have sold his books to make a movie. Let's get that straight. So we could talk about the movie. Yeah. (laughs) But, (laughs) but like, I mean, it is his, it is his books. I mean, he could have just waited until he died. He was 85. Yeah. He was making. I mean, like, I mean, you can't hate on him for not wanting to sell his books because he was making enough money. So, like, yeah, he was making enough money to live and everything. But, um, and I get, I, and I can get it. It's like I'm not an artist myself, but as an artist, 
to not want to see your creation be turned into something it's not because it's not very often books translate very well into movies. You know, not every book is a Lord of the Rings, Godfather, um, Harry Potter, Godfather. I mean, you look at Game of Thrones. It was really good for seven seasons. And then it just screwed the pooch. Yes, but I believe George George R. R. Martin still had input into the the series, you know. But I mean, like, you. what I'm getting at is, like, maybe that's what he's afraid of. He didn't want something either really good to get sour or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I'm still I'm still a defend, I'm still a defender of Game of Thrones though. Like I still think it's like one of the best TV dramas of all time just yeah. because you can't you can't take away the bad ending. Like you still fact that like we got some of the best television ever like the first 7 mm-hmm. seasons including like battle sequences that were yeah. were like on par with Saving Private Ryan on a TV show. Like that's just yeah. I never thought like growing up I never thought that would be possible that we'd like see cuz I'd seen battle sequences on TV shows before like and they're usually pretty bad looking. And this show yeah. made, made. I mean, it, it pretty much made like kind of like the cinematic TV shows that we're getting now. You know, I don't know if, if we have Game of Thrones, do we get Marvel making miniseries of, instead of movies? Like, I don't know if we get that. Like, it's. Yes. And I know this is a little off topic, but I yeah. think so just because of what Netflix has been doing over the past decade or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Netflix, I mean, you look at the way Netflix has overtaken movies and TV in general. Disney had to have a response sooner or later. Oh yeah, and its response was Disney well, only Marvel. I think, and I think I'm it. just saying I think HBO was really the first one to really spend that much money on on a TV show, especially for action sequences. Like because uh, I believe Rome had been tried before that for HBO, and it just was too expensive. Uh, not enough people were watching it. But whereas like Game of Thrones, I mean, that just hit its stride. And then it was like, OK, now everybody's got to do it. Now everyone's spending money. And it, I'm not hating on yeah, it because we got some really good series out of that now. So like I, I, I'm not going to complain. Uh, so I'll get into my characters now. Um, yeah, I have. I'll just do them all right now. Um, I have Benoit Blanc. I have Jamie Lee Curtis at number two. Ransom at number three. Marta at number four. And I have uh, Harlan at number five. Uh, Benoit, for all the reasons you said, I just think this was such a fun character. He adds, he injects a special type of energy into this story. I think he's, he's, com- he's very complex too. Cause I didn't know if he was going to ultimately be the, the, the reason Marta got out of the situation or he was going to ultimately be the reason she got in trouble. And I think he, he was really like the anti-hero in a way. Um, but I think because he had like that un, that, darker side to him i I, for lack of a better term i think that's why i put him above marta in terms like the characters you could consider the the good guys in this movie so uh, you know i think he's gonna be the lifeblood if they do in fact make this into a series and i think uh, i cannot wait for to see him in the second movie daniel craig was awesome um (laughs) Uh, i think you can say that just about everything he's in yes Yes. And if you haven't seen the movies he's done before he became Bond, like he's got some good ones out there. Layer Cake and Munich, first ones that come to mind. Uh, Linda Drysdale, played by Jamie Lee Curtis. This movie, again, like I'm on a Jamie Lee Curtis high right now because I loved Halloween 2018. Before we did this episode, the Halloween Kills trailer just came out not a couple of days ago, and I went 
berserk for it. I am super pumped for it. And this movie just remind me why I really love her as an actress and why she's just been awesome and, and why we need to see her more often because she was just so good in this role. I mean, uh, and she's opposite character, but just the scene she's in, it just, it, the movie has another energy when she's in it. And she's, she, she probably has some of the funniest scenes in this movie. Um, the scene where she freaks out on Benoit Blanc is hilarious. The, and as you said, she has some of those hilarious lines that, that she just drops and they're executed almost perfectly. So I just think that this character of all the, of all the members of the family, she was the most entertaining one. Um, and, and, and considering the fact that she was in the group, they were all kind of stuffed together. She kind of, I think, pulled away from the rest of the crowd with the family because I think her character was just that much more entertaining than everybody else. And it's a lot of entertaining characters there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, they were both very good. And I do wish we had a little more Jamie Lee Curtis in this. Yes. But, uh, it, it's a theme It's a theme of this show that the characters who make our top fives are the one, one of the qualities they have about them is that we, they were the ones we wanted to see more of. And she was definitely the one we wanted to see more of. Um, Absolutely. Now one we didn't need to see more of, cause I think he got the perfect amount of airtime was ransom. And if it weren't for that, I thought it was a little obvious that he was the killer. Uh, he may have been number one on my list too. Um, but I think that this was such a great performance by Chris Evans and really was kind of that, um, really that dramatic role outside of Marvel that I don't think he really had to this point. Um, whereas like Robert Downey Jr. And I think Chris Hemsworth both have kind of already had those roles as well as Mark Ruffalo. So it was great for him to kind of have that dramatic role where he gets to, to show off how talented he really is. Um, mm -hmm. And just a very entertaining character, very fun one, very complex one. So absolute st show stealer at, at times. And then uh, I have Marta down number four, as we said before, great performance, um, likable character, one of the most likable characters in the movie. Um, and then last, I had Harlan. I just think Christopher Plummer is just such a legend. You know, he commands that respect whenever he's on the screen, whereas it could have probably been a bad character, but I probably would have put him on here just because, you know, I, I love every role he's in and, and just, you know, from the day back in the day when I believe he did the sound of music till now, he's just always been honestly, probably one of the more underappreciated actors um, of all time. And, and just this role was great. Just the, 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 you, you kind of learn throughout the movie that even in this guy's, when this guy's dying, why he's as successful as he is. The guy is a flat out genius. He had his whole family figured out. He had a plot to like, bring them all down if they were to screw up um and in like two minutes and except i'm sorry <laughs> like in two minutes he was dying and he came up with the perfect plot how <laughs> yeah the guy's rich and famous and successful for a reason and he proved that right there because he can he's a genius like that and you just yeah. see you see the brilliant it, it's just nice that they kind of like give you I don't know, in, the, in the few moments we have with him, you're given the keys to his success. You kind of just dig into why this guy is, is where he is and why he has the situation he's in. It's because he's, he's smart, he's witty, he's one step ahead of every single person, and he's also compassionate. And, and I think that 
And I, I said earlier, Marta was the most likable character, but I'm starting to maybe think that maybe he might have been more likable because he was just, you know, the guy who knew what to do, when to do it, and ultimately did the right thing in the end and left his empire to somebody who deserved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he was he was great. In fact, I think I may have committed a high crime, at least a sin. Did I not put him in my top five? No, you did not. You you put Michael Shannon yeah, that's in, a sin. in five. That's a sin. That's a sin. You gonna change? Change your mind? Yeah, I'm gonna take Shannon out, put him in. Okay. So, <laughs> so he's but, yeah. he's on both of our honorable mentions then. Um, yeah. And uh, any who I guess uh, kind of all of them. I'm going to assume that everybody's an honorable mention unless we're going to name them right now. Um, you did not like um, the one I didn't, the one trooper. You did not like Noah Segan's character. Yeah, I didn't like the trooper. He felt pointless to me. Um, Jacob Thromby, the, the kid, I kind of hated him just because of his attitude. Yeah, but, I mean, he didn't really talk much I, either. So it was kind of just... Yeah, so like, but I mean, I think that's kind of what they wanted you to do. Yeah. I didn't like Joni Thromby, um, just the thought of somebody milking anybody's money the way she was doing just to be popular on Instagram. Um, oh, I liked it. I mean, added she it. played it well. She played it well. I just didn't like her character. Uh, like, I, if if I had to hang out with any of the family members, she would not be one of the top four. <laughs> I, I liked her as a character just because I thought that she added this the level of sleaziness. And I think that she kind of symbolized how far the family had fallen. That, you know, you, you know it's kind of just like, okay, we're at the point where in a woman who's married into this family is stealing money from us. And, and you, you kind of see what she's doing and then you kind of say, okay, now I know why he's giving this money away to somebody who's not related to you because you, you know, you've let uh, one of our in-laws just steal from us. And it's kind of, it, it was kind of like, I think that might've been the last straw with him, with his family. Um, so, and I think the other character we're leaving off is uh, Don Johnson's character. Um Really, a guy that I wish we we see more on our screens in 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 Hollywood movies, and I feel like he kind of, you know, I mean, this is this is this is Miami Vice, you know, and and I want to see more of Don Johnson. This was really a strong strong role for him, and a really a fun character. Really fun cast in general, but I think it's another credit towards Ryan Johnson. When you look at this cast, you've got Daniel Craig and Chris Evans, two huge stars. Um, with Marvel and the Bond series, obviously. And in all reality, Anna de Artemis is the main character, if you look at it. She's the one this movie's about. She's the one going through all of it. But Jamie Lee Curtis has a big part. Shannon and John Johnson have a big part. Christopher Plummer has a huge part. Um, none of these people, like, you can, you need to have them in these movies, I think, other than the trooper. And... I think it's really, like I said, another credit towards Ryan Johnson that he was able to take these big names, really take the the mid-tier celebrity and make her the main character. But all the other ones, I don't feel like were gypped in this movie, for lack of a better word. Yeah. They, they kind of all have their perfect airtime, you know, in a way. So, it, yeah, a really effective movie. And they this cast plays it to perfection for what the vision was. And the, the script really just fit all of them. And that's really a testament to the writing of this movie and why I think it's uh, really going to stand the test of time and why we're getting a sequel. It is why we're getting a sequel. It is indeed. Um, Speaking of sequel, should we go ahead and go into our ratings first, though? Yes, go ahead. 
All right. And I'm afraid to give it this because I'm going to give it this and then the sequel has to live up to it. But Hall of Fame, like oh, this man. one right here, this one is an all-time movie for me. It's great. If you're going to watch a whodunit, this is the one for me. Um, I just, I don't have any flaws in it that I'm just like, it needs to not be there. It needs to be out. Other than the trooper, in all reality, he's there for like, what, half minute of on air time? If that, and he's just there to be like, oh, Benoit Blanc is great. Like, <laughs> other than that, like, this movie is spotless for me. I would say it's an all-star. Um, it's really a near-perfect movie. Uh, there's just a couple a couple small critiques I really had, and I, I kind of mentioned them er- earlier. You know, I just feel like they could have gotten us a little bit better on on who the ultimate killer was. Um, and, and, and I mean, my, my rating could change. That's the problem with Hall of Famers. It's hard to give a movie one when it's only been out for a couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. But that very much could change. Uh depending on how this ages, but it, it, it is a awesome movie and very high regards on our, and I'm sure if Jeff was here, he'd probably say just about everything that we've said tonight. Yeah. And I mean, like right now we have a cast for Knives Out 2 that we've kind of gone over that is looking great. I don't know that other than Daniel Craig, we don't have a, um, we really don't have that Christopher Plummer character yet. Because I think Dave Bautista is really the he's gonna he looks like Dave Bautista already be Edward Norton or the um, Chris Evans character Daniel Craig's obviously him, but like who's gonna be that um, Christopher Plummer? I could see I, I could see Edward Norton be the no he I think he maybe, maybe Catherine Hahn I don't know I mean yeah. I think when we're looking at, when I'm thinking Christopher Plummer I'm gonna think like that old actor who just kills it. In all yeah. Movies. I mean, I, I would hope that they're going to make a very different family dynamic for this one. Not the yeah. exact same and thing. It might not be, and it might not be family. Who knows? I mean, like I said, this one doesn't have a, that I've seen any kind of plot synopsis yet. Yeah. We're another year away from it. Um, so yeah. So I, we'll I, hope, they'll, I, ho- I hope they'll do, I, I kind of think when I think about like a movie doing, you know, kind of like a similar plot to the first one, but doing, making it its own and making it, worth watching you know the hangover is kind of the one where they didn't do it the right way it was the exact same movie and exact same but then you have like 22 jump street where it kind of is the exact same movie but it's also a very different movie and that's why it's funny because i think 22 jump street like openly admitted it was the exact same movie and they joked about it like there's scenes where it's like hey what should we do this he's like it's the exact same thing just do it Yeah. So you, you got to wonder about that because this isn't going to be a direct sequel. I don't think it's not going to be, you know, I mean, clearly we haven't seen any reports of the same actors coming back. So it's not going to be what's happening next. Or it's, it's, it's a completely different thing, probably a different, completely country, completely different dynamic. We may not get a family. Um, we don't know anything, which is exciting, but terrifying at the same time. Yeah. I'm pumped though. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I'm pumped. I trust Ryan Johnson. His last three movies, um, Looper, Star Wars, and Knives Out were all great um, to me. So I trust him to make it four for four. Yeah, and I do like that he kind of made every movie different too. It's kind of like you don't really like mm-hmm. have like, oh, this is a Ryan Johnson style. It's like, oh, no, it's kind of his own. He adapts to to whatever the yeah. whatever he think, thinks is going to work for us. So Well, Knives Out and Knives Out's also the first time he was the director, writer, and producer. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was the director and writer for Star Wars, but not the producer. And the same for Looper. Um, 
and he's never produced until Knives Out. It looks like. Dang. Um, if I'm getting, I mean, like he has short, short films here and there. It looks like, um, and he wasn't the writer for any of the Breaking Bad, just the director. Okay. Yeah. Well, this was a fun episode. Uh, I'm happy we got a really quality movie. We've got some others in the works. I don't think we really have a movie schedule set right now. Uh, no, but I think the next one, and I may be getting jumping ahead of us, but I think we kind of have to do Black Widow. No? Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we, will do, we will do Black Widow. Um, <laughs> kind of have to do Black Widow. we got to talk about the NBA championship here. Yes, probably next that'll, week. Be, that'll be our chalk talk. Um, I'm going to probably go to the theaters to see Black Widow. Uh, I mean, it I haven't decided what I'll do yet. I might go to the theater. I might not. I know. I just had such a great I had such a great time the last time I went to the theaters. I want to go back now. It reminded yeah. me of why I love them. So it's going to be a huge hit. It's going to make a lot of money. No surprise. A, a Marvel movie being released in theaters after a global pandemic where theaters were closed for a whole year. Like it's going to be huge. A Marvel movie. And that movie's already getting great Rotten Tomato scores. Um, last I checked, I think it was certified fresh now. So uh, yeah, it's not surprising. <laughs> I mean, not surprising. I mean, Marvel. The last time Marvel made a bad one was Thor: The Dark World, and even when you look back at that one, it wasn't the worst thing ever made. It, yeah, mark. they don't really have too many bad movies. They have some mediocre ones and like okay some ones, ones that you could probably yeah. yeah, and some ones where like so you don't you, have to like your friend if your friend missed it, you'd like okay, well I can just tell you what happened. You don't have to go watch it. Yeah, <laughs> but even if even if it is just an okay movie, it's going to make bank. So oh, yeah. it'll, it'll make the money. It'll be fine. Yes. But we're looking forward to talking about that movie and more movies coming up. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us for another exciting episode of Box Office Quarterbacks. We hope you'll join us for future episodes. And also, feel free to follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we will also be back with future movie reviews in the future. But also, our next Chalk Talk, we will go over some recent movie trailers, as well as the NBA Finals. We hope you'll join us. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. We'll see you later. 